0: Well, I know you were expecting Ashley to come up here. You know, you wanted the star quarterback, and you got Colin Kaepernick. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's who I am. Hey, how many of you like to uh, walk through old cemeteries and look at tombstones? Some of you say, uh-uh, "I'm going, not going there." Okay. Well, if you think about it, lots of old tombstones. It, when you look at them, uh, and we got one here on the screen, coming up. Next slide maybe well think about it when you look at tombstones what it does it it shrinks an entire life down into two dates with a little dash in between a tombstone may say uh, many other kinds of things but when it all comes down to it a headstone points out that a person's life is what transpires between two dates the date of their birth and the date of their death and it capsules all of it in a little dash the whole of life comes down to that little dash between those dates. And those dates represent their whole life, really, what they lived for, uh, who they loved, what their dreams were, what their aspirations were, the things that they were passionate about. It, it contains the things that for them were um, life's biggest mistakes or their deepest regrets. fact of the matter is that none of us have control over where or when we were born. And for the most of us, we're not going to have control over where or when we die. But one thing we can control, we can control most of that little dash in life. So the question is, what are you doing with your dash in life? Are you living the dash, living out the way that God has created you, carrying out the purposes that he has given you in, in your life, or... Are you just dashing to live, pursuing anything and everything that really is not going to matter much in life? You know, today is October the 1st. This is the first day of the last quarter of 2023. But what if today, October 1st, was the first day of the last month of your life, and you knew that you only had 30 days to live? Would that impact the way you lived? Would would that impact the things that you did with your life in the days ahead? How would that change your life if you knew you only had 30 days to live? You see, there came a time in Jesus' life when he was very much aware that he was 30 days from the cross, that he had 30 days left. And, you know, so what did he do? How did he live out that last month of his life? Uh, From his life, Folks, I think we can gain some universal principles that will really uh, show to us how, do you sh- how we should live our lives. If you look at Jesus' life, he lived passionately, he loved completely, he learned humbly, and then he left boldly. Listen to what he said in John chapter uh, 10 and verse 10. <clears throat> he says, "...the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy." My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. You see, Jesus not only came to give us eternal life, he said, but, but he also came to give us a rich, satisfying life. So in these universal principles, the very first one I want us to look at is the fact that Jesus lived passionately. He lived passionately. Uh, go back to John 10:10 there, and if you want to in your notes there, Underline those, that phrase, rich and satisfying life. Because maybe right now your life stinks. Or maybe your life is really, really good. God wants you to live the rich and satisfying life where you are fully who he made you to be. You know, he says, <clears throat> He says, I have a better life in you than you can even begin to imagine. And you can experience that life right now. In fact, uh, John's first epistle tells us how to experience that life. 1 John 5, says, And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. See, this passage is giving to us a choice of life or death. You can live and, and just exist, or you can live your life the way you were meant to live, the way that God made you to live, be fully alive. But to do that, to live passionately, you need to make sure that Jesus Christ is the CEO, is the boss, is the Lord of your life. But here's the sober truth, and that's the fact that Satan would say to you, you know what, that's not a bad offer that God is giving to you, a a better life, not not a bad offer at all. It's, it's (coughs) It's a pretty good offer, and you really ought to take it, but not today. Someday, but not today. I mean, maybe you're thinking about becoming a Christian and uh, a a believer, committing your life to Jesus Christ, and you think, yeah, that's what I really need to do, commit my life to Christ. And Satan's going to say to you, yeah, you you should. You should really commit your life to Jesus Christ. That would be something you ought to do, but not today. you got way too much going on. Maybe someday down the road, just not today. Or or maybe you're a Christian and you're saying, you know what, I really need to just surrender all of my life to God. Just risk it all for Jesus Christ and and live fully for Him. Give Him my all, give Him my everything. Really get involved in in the Lord's work. And Satan's going to say, yeah, you should really do that, but not today. You've got too much going on in your life. Wait till things settle down and then you can do it. Someday you can do that. See, God's favorite word is today. Satan's favorite word is someday. And we, got, we get caught in what I call the someday syndrome, where, you know, we say someday, someday when, when things settle down, then I'm going to really live for God. Someday when all these problems are resolved, then I'm going to be happy. Or, or someday when things at work settle down, then I'm going to spend more time with my wife or my husband and my, my, my kids. Or someday... When, you know, I get that promotion and I make a lot more money, then I'm going to start giving to the church. Folks, when are we going to wake up and realize this is the life? Yeah, it's beautiful and it's wonderful and it's painful and it's frightening and it's exhausting and it's exhilarating and it's awe-inspiring all at the same time. This is the life. This is your life. But we're constantly waiting for some day, for someday then you're going to really live. No, folks, this is all you've got today, right here, right now. Folks, life moves fast. I don't know if you've figured that out. Life moves so quickly. It's gone before you know it. You know, it's a precious, sacred gift that, that God has given to us. But life is over before you know it. I, I mean, it seems like only yesterday that I was holding my infant daughter in the hospital. And now I can hold my two-and-a-half-year-old great-grandson in these same arms. I I ran across a a monologue, I guess, from a comedian that I thought really speaks to this. Listen to what he said. Do you realize that the only time in our lives when we like to get old is when we're kids? If you're less than 10 years old, you are so excited about aging that you think in fractions. How old are you? I'm four-and-a-half. You know, you're never 36 and a half, okay? You are four and a half going on five, and that's the key. You get into your teens, and now they can't hold you back. You jump to the next number, even a few ahead. How old are you? I'm going to be 16. I mean, you could be 13, but hey, you're going to be 16. Then, the greatest day of your life, you become 21. I mean, even the words sound like a ceremony. You become 21. Yes, but then you turn 30. Now, what happened there? I mean, it makes you sound like bad milk, okay? Uh, He turned. We just had to throw him out. Um, This is no fun. You know, you just soured, okay? What's wrong? What changed? You become 21, you turn 30, and then you're pushing 40. Whoa, put on the brakes. It's all slipping away. Before you know it, you reach 50, and your dreams are gone. But wait you make it to 60 you didn't think you would but you made it so you become 21 turn 30 push 40 reach 50 and make it to 60 you build up so much speed now that you you hit 70 and after that it's a day-to-day thing you hit Wednesday (laughs) you get into your 80s and every day is a complete cycle you hit lunch you know (laughs) you turn 430 you reach bedtime and it doesn't end there in strange third and a half. I wish for all of us that we could live to be 100 and a half, okay? But the fact of the matter is, life moves so fast. We better understand that the years are precious. And so we need to stop constantly waiting and start living living the life that you were made to live. Jesus said this about his generation in Luke chapter 7 and verse 31. He says, To what can I compare the people of this generation? Jesus asked, How can I describe them? They are like children playing a game in the public square. They complained to their friends, We played um, wedding songs and you didn't dance, so we played funeral songs and you didn't weep. Jesus is saying, we played the music of life for you, and, and, and you didn't dance. You didn't enjoy life. You were always waiting. And, and then when the pain and the problems came your way, you didn't cry. You, you didn't experience life. You tried to avoid risks at all costs. You didn't live. You know, I put you on this earth, and I gave you the most sacred gift of all, the gift of life. And you didn't use it. You didn't live. We don't need to always be waiting folks to live. I, I think we vastly overestimate tomorrow, the power of tomorrow. And we get hung up in that someday syndrome. And we vastly overestimate the, the uh, power of yesterday. And we end up hung up in, in past regrets and, and in guilt. Uh, John Maxwell, the known motivational speaker and, and pastor, for years has had a sign on his desk that simply said, Yesterday ended last night. And he has that to, to remind him that all the failures in his life are gone, are done. They don't impact today. And all the achievements he'd made in life, they don't have any effect on today as well. Today is today, and I live for this day. And so we need to start living. We need to start living passionately. And, and the greatest risk, folks, is not risking at all. So, the first principle in your life for these next 30 days is learn to live passionately. I want to challenge you to live the next 30 days as if these were your last 30 days. How's your life going to be different? Principle number two Jesus loved completely. Jesus loved completely. Look at what Jesus did when. He knew that he only had a short time left with his disciples. In John chapter 13 and verse 1, it says, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. And if you know anything about John 13, you know that this is where he demonstrated servant love to his disciples by washing their feet. And then he gave them the command to love one another. If you knew you only had one month to live, uh, you'd want to do the same thing. You would want to love completely. Um, You would say things that you've always wanted to say. You would do things you've always wanted to do. You would focus on relationships. You would express love to those who are around you. Now, it, it sounds simple, but it's really profound. The reason that you're here on this earth is to love. That's why God has put you here to love, and if and you're never living folks, until you're loving. Uh, Jesus summed up the entire Bible in three verses in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. He says, Jesus replied, "You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself." In other words, all of life is bound up in loving God completely and loving others unselfishly. And at the end of your life, it's not going to matter how much money you have in your bank account. It's not going to matter how many awards you have received. It's not going to matter how many goals in your life that you've achieved. All that matters is, did you love? Did you love the people around you, your family, your friends? And did you love God with all of your heart? That's the only thing that's going to matter one day. You know, if you knew this was going to be your last month on this earth, how would you live your life? How would your life be different? If you knew you had only one month to live, I think that your focus would be on your relationships, your relationship with God, growing closer to Him, preparing to meet Him, and then loving your family and your friends, making a a lasting impact on the lives of other people. So here's my challenge to you. Live your life this month as if it's your last month. And when you get to the end of this month, you'll know how to live because it'll make all the difference in your world. Jesus loved completely. So let me ask you, who today do you need to tell that you love them? Who do you need to, what do you need to do to somebody to show them that you love them? God placed you here on this earth to love, and you're not living until you're loving. Third thing, Principle number three is that Jesus learned humbly. Jesus learned humbly. Even though he was God, you know, he taught us by his own example how to live humbly, or how to learn humbly, excuse me. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, <clears throat> Paul writes this, and he says, You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. These verses really challenge us to be more like Jesus Christ. And I'm really talking about building our character. Because, folks, your character is the only thing you're going to take to heaven. You're not going to take anything else with you to heaven. I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer, okay? Uh, Your character is what you're going to take to heaven. And so this earth is the preparation ground where God is building our character to be more like Jesus Christ. Really, there are two things that kind of build our character. One, of course, is the Word of God digging into God's Word and getting God's Word into our lives, saturating ourselves with God's Word. That builds our character. And the second thing that builds our character is problems. Now, you and I don't like problems, okay? But the fact of the matter is that sometimes the greatest blessings in life come disguised as problems. Problems. Because that's what God is doing. You know, life moves on two tracks. There are great things happening in your life, and then there are tough things happening in your life, all at the same time. Every one of us has problems. If you've got a pulse, you've got problems in your life, okay? But here's the good news. These problems do not stop God's plan for our life. God wants to use those problems to help us to become more and more like His Son, Jesus Christ, to build our character for His good. And so often, during our problems, we find ourselves crying out to God and saying, you know, oh God, take this problem out of my life. And God says, no, I'm going to take you through the problem. Or you and I are praying, say, God, change my circumstances. And God says, no, I'm going to change you instead. We must allow God to work through our problems by turning to Him and getting into His Word. Over in Proverbs 3, 6, and this is from the Living Bible paraphrase. This is what it says. In everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. Now, underline that word success, uh, and it's good to be to, to have a desire to be successful, but the word for success here in the Hebrew doesn't mean success in the way you and I think of monetary success or financial success or anything like that. The word in the Hebrew li- literally means the ability to make wise decisions. That's why many of the translations say, you know, he will direct our path or he will lead us in the right direction. Everything in our life comes out of that ability to make wise decisions because you and I are going to face some tough decisions in our life, in our marriages, in our jobs, in our families, in our finances. And we need the wisdom To make right decisions, to make wise decisions. And he says, put God first in your life and he will give you that ability. Now how do we we put God first in our life? Well give God the first day of the week. That's the first step. Give God the first day of every week. Make the Lord's day a priority. Uh, God says, give me that first day of the week in worship. It, what it does, it, it helps me to recalibrate my life and, and my priorities. And then second, give God the first part of every day, the first part of every day. That is, spend 10 or, or 20 minutes with God every morning to begin the day, reading God's Word, writing down what you're learning, and praying about what's coming during the day. When you put God first in your day, you know, He just helps us get much more done. He, he somehow expands our day. He blesses our day. So put God first in your day. And then third, give God the first portion of your income. Give God the first portion of your income. Put God first. Give back to God the first part, 10%. Because, folks, if God is not first place in your finances, he's not first place in your life. And then the fourth thing, give him the first consideration in every decision. Give him the first consideration of every decision. Have you ever bought a car without paying for it? I mean, no, excuse me, without praying for it, <laughs> praying about it. Have you ever bought a car without praying about it? There we go. It was a lemon, right? You know what? God wants us to pray about everything, even the car that you're going to buy, okay? He wants you to pray about your, your family, wants you to pray about your, your uh, job situation, wants you to pray about your finances, everything in your life. And when we ask God, God gives to us the ability to make wise decisions. So you were made to love passionately, got to live passionately. You were made to love completely. You were made to learn humbly. And then fourth, you were made to leave boldly. That's principle number four. Jesus left boldly. Not only did he live passionately and love completely and learn humbly, but He left boldly. He he was so resolute in his mission of here on this earth and why he came. I I love the the intensity in Luke chapter 9 and verse 51. It says, As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. See, there was no hesitation, no, no reservation. He was resolute that he was going to fulfill the purpose for which he came. And you know what, if you knew that you had only 30 days to live, I think you would live in a way that you wouldn't waste time or energy on things that don't matter. But, but you would look for ways to leave a loving legacy, um, an lasting legacy. You would be, you'd prepare for eternity. I mean, folks, this earth is not our home, right? I mean, there's just something inherent in us that knows that this is not all there is, that there's much more beyond the here and now. We realize that inherently. We were made to leave. Uh, We were made for eternity. We were made to leave a legacy. One of the greatest barriers, I think, to to leaving a a lasting legacy is this insatiable need we have to try to please everybody. Uh, We just find, you know, we we try to live our lives for everybody's approval. And it really hampers us. Over in Matthew chapter 25, verse 23, Jesus is told this this parable. And he, he wraps it up by saying, the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. You know, there are a lot of people out there who try to tell you how to live your life. But in the end, folks, there's only one opinion that really matters. There's only one person that you ought to be playing to, and that's the audience of one: your, your heavenly Father. Uh, God is gonna not gonna look at you and and say, "Well, hey, why didn't you live your life like Pastor Ashley?" Or why weren't you like Billy Graham? He's not gonna come to you and say, "Why weren't you like that guy or that gal over there?" Instead. He's going to say, why weren't you like more of what I made you to be? Why, why didn't you live your life the way I made you to live? What I want God to say for me, and I hope for you as well, is to hear him say, well done. To, to say, Sam, you surely didn't have it all together, and you made a lot of mistakes, but one thing I'll give you, you were fully you. You were fully who I made you to be. To be. Well done my good and faithful servant. I heard the story about a a high school football player. He wasn't really top shelf. He was second team and rarely got to play. Um, Went in on kickoffs and when, you know, his team was really far ahead, he would go in with the scrubs. Um, But he loved playing football. The day of his senior, last game of his senior year, that morning, he went into the coach's office and said, Coach, you just got to let me play. You've got to let me play. And the coach said, Well, I can't make any promises. We'll see. This boy's father was like any other father. He's always showed up at the games to cheer his son on, uh, even though the boy didn't get to play much. And uh, But he was always there cheering his son on. And, and he was just like any other father, cheering his son on, cheering the team on only difference was he was unlike the other fathers in that he was blind. And so he never saw his son play, but he was always there cheering him on. Go, son, go. Well, finally, the, the afternoon arrived, the get, getting ready for the game, and the boy was still urging, urging the coach, i got to play tonight. you got to put me in. Put me in, coach. Let me play. And finally, the coach said, okay, I'll put you in on the first series. And so he went in on the first series, and he was on fire, man. You know, they handed the ball off to the fullback, and he, he was the linebacker. And, man, he smashed that guy in the backfield and knocked him down for a loss. And the very next play, the quarterback dropped back to pass, and he blitzed, and he sacked the quarterback. And he played the rest of the game and finished with over 20 tackles. And at the end of the game, as he was coming off the field, the coach grabbed him by the helmet and says, what's going on, son? What gives? I've never seen such a great game from a linebacker. What gives here? And and the boy said to the coach, well, you know, my father is blind and he comes to every game. Well, he died last night. And this is the first game that he's ever seen me play. And I had to play because I was playing for him. Who are you playing for? Are you playing for the possessions of life? Are you per- playing for the pleasures of life? Are you playing for the pat on the back from other people? Are you playing for other people to say, oh, what a great person you are? Or are you pray- playing for your Heavenly Father, the one who made you, the coach who put you into the game? Uh, he's the only one that matters to play for Him. Folks, you're never ready to live until you're ready to leave so are you ready to leave if you were to die tonight do you know for certain that you would be in heaven i hope you do i hope you you know that because you have put your trust in jesus christ not because you might die tonight but more probably is because you're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to need god every single minute of the day tomorrow let's bow for prayer Father um, may we learn what it really means to live the urgency of life none of us know how many days we have left on this earth teach us to treat each day as the last day that we might take this gift of life this precious gift that you've given to us and we might live it fully passionately loving people around us learning to be humble and and allowing you to mold and shape our character and then may we leave boldly leaving a legacy behind that people can point to you because we've been in their life father i pray for any here this morning who need to begin that relationship with god through trusting christ as lord and savior simply say lord jesus i don't understand it all but i want to invite you to come into my heart and make me a new person. I admit that I'm a sinner. I mess up all the time. But I thank you that you died for me to forgive me of my sin. And I ask you right now to come into my heart, into my life. In your name I pray. Amen.